Today we are focused in on what it is to be an influence in love as we look at what God's Word would say. I want to set the scene for you just a little bit. Um, It's evening time. Jesus and the disciples, they're in the upper room just before his crucifixion. And at this point where I'm about to pick up in this story, Jesus has shared the Last Supper with his disciples much like what we just did. He's washed his disciples' feet, and and he went through all that. And he even predicts his betrayal by Judas, and Judas leaves. And then he says this to his disciples that are left in the room, and it's from John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. He says to them, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even... As I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, I love what the Bible says here. I love what Jesus says here. By this, all men will know. Because you love one another. By this, men will know you are my disciples. I love what the Bible says, but... I'm also a fan, and I shared this with you all before in the past, I'm a fan of what the Bible doesn't say. And I think sometimes what the Bible doesn't say is also important. And specifically, I want to look at what the Bible doesn't say here. Jesus doesn't say, they will know you are my disciples by your rules. He doesn't say they will know you are my disciples by your righteousness or your theology. He doesn't say they will know you are my disciples by your power or your rhetoric or your clubs. He doesn't say they will know you are my disciples by your purity or your political stance or your favorite activist hobby. Jesus says to his disciples these words that we can learn from and live by today. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Say this with me. If you have love for one another. I'm a firm believer in the way that we treat people around us makes the biggest impression. And the motivator for the way we treat those around us should be love. Any other motivation just kind of falls short, in my opinion. A lot of relationships, the motivation behind them is is getting into the network, getting in who you can introduce me to that can benefit me. A lot of times in in jobs, we look for what's going to help me. When we find different motivators other than love, I think there's a flaw to them. And so I'm a firm believer that that love is what should motivate us. But also realize there's a danger to being an influence in love. Living, living your life with the influence of love means you're going to live sacrificially. You're going to live differently than most people. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. He said, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. 
I like that so far. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another. As the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. By the way, I'm not pointing to you guys as sheep or goats, okay? If you, you're like, I just came in and sat here. The king will then say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's the very beginning. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of, the, of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it for me. You see, here's the thing. We, we look at those verses, and I think we take some of them for granted You realize in some countries, this bottle of water literally brings life. Some parts of the world, this container of water represents life more than we will ever realize here in America. So my question is, how are you bringing life to other people? How much have you sacrificed this week? Now you're like, wait a minute, you're getting personal. I told you, if we're going to love, we're going to be an influence of love... It's going to cost something. It's going to be a sacrifice. If I were to bring this bottle down and hand it to someone in the audience and tell you there's only one instruction. You can only pass the water to the next person if you've sacrificed something for someone else this week. If you've done something for someone else, you would, you would have to tell us what you did and then pass it along without what you would gain from it, just with a desire to love. How far do you think this container of water would go around this room. Now, I'm not asking you this question to, to get your dander up. I'm not, I'm not like calling you guys any names. I'm not trying to start any, any kind of Christian argument. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I just want to challenge you to think a little bit differently. I want to emphasize when we're not an influence in love, when we don't live our life with a sacrificial influence, other people miss out. But what is love? In a wedding ceremony, we, we always come to that part where we, we take the rings. May I have the rings, please? And we pick one up. And I always like to say something about how the symbol of the ring is, is a, sim, a symbol of love. It has no beginning and no end. It's made with a precious metal. Uh, you know, it, it's costly, those kinds of things. And, and it's a reflection of the dedication to this person that you are marrying for a lifetime. You see, the feeling associated with with marriage, with that marriage commitment is love. But love is way more than a feeling. There's one of my favorite old school Christian hip hop rap songs by the group DC Talk. <laughs> love is a verb. You should look it up. It's a classic. It's on YouTube. Love is a verb. It's an action. It shows that we care for each other by the way we act, 
by the way we treat one another, the people we like, the people we don't like, the strangers, the friends. It's our motivation to care for one another. Love is also a choice. I loathe when people say, well, we just fell in love. We couldn't help it. Oh, no, you didn't fall into anything. You fell down the steps and hit your head maybe, but love is a choice. You don't fall into love. You choose to love. And throughout the whole Bible, we are commanded from God. We're commanded to love God with all that we've got and to love others like we love ourselves. You see, love is, is the visible way that we can show others and God that we're serious about our faith. Remember, where'd it go? Love is patient. Love is kind. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about the excellence of love. Listen to this. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong that is suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. He goes on to say, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child. Think like a child. Reason like a child. And when I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love, abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Here's a question I have for you today. Do you really love others? Do we really love each other in this room? Look around. Do we love each other? Just so you know, spoiler alert for next year, I'm already planning a series about love, and we're going to take a hard look at what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church in these verses. And so I hope you'll be around to hear it. But I want to challenge you now. Start reading this chapter. Read it every day this week. Chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. And then try flexing out these verses on the people that are in your life. Try putting into action love keeps no record of wrong. Put into action love doesn't rejoice in evil but in the truth. And right now I want to share with you some love stories. I want to share with you how some of our sisters in Christ have lived out the influence of love in their lives this past year.
I want to start out with a story of Emily and Laura Bell. And Emily is at Point University this morning taking care of some college things. She's getting ready to start college, and that's an exciting season for her. And so I met with them this last week, and we did some video interviews, if you will. And our first video, taking it from source to the next source, had some issues, had some technical difficulties. So I'm going to summarize our first question, and I'm going to share with you their response. And the question was simple, and it was two parts, directed mostly to Emily, a little bit to Laura, but it was, why Honduras, and what made you decide to go back a second time? And so I asked that question, and then Emily said this, well, Tracy Williams had gone to Honduras two times before, sorry, two times before I went last year, and really wanted me to go. So I was like, okay, I'll go. And I went to the meetings with her about the trip, and I got all my stuff together. (laughs) About two days before we left, I wasn't really sure if I really wanted to go, and I was missing a family vacation that we always do, and I just didn't know. But once we got to Honduras, I knew there was no place else I'd rather be. When I got to Honduras, I knew this was exactly where I need to be. And at the end of the trip, I cried all the way home, two plane rides, and I said right then, I'm coming back. So Emily, you knew going from Honduras that you would go back there again. Yes, I did, but I didn't know when. I think that's why I was crying so hard. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I'd like, I just know I have to go back. I decided then I would figure it all out because I'm going back to Honduras. Thank you, Emily. Now... I asked Laura Snell, why Honduras? And she's here, so I won't make fun of her. (laughs) And she wouldn't bring me her picture, just Emily's. (laughs) Laura said, I went because of all that Emily shared throughout the year as she came back from that first trip to Honduras. And seeing the change that took place in Emily, seeing the love that Emily had for the people that she met, and just, just reliving the experience that she had, kind of convicted me that I needed to go. And so when we learned from disciple makers about what they call Impact 18 in the Honduras area, we reached out to them and started making plans. Laura says, this trip was amazing. And in case you're wondering, yes, we have already started making plans for Honduras 2019. If you'd like to go, you need to see Laura Snell and Emily. But now here's the rest of our conversation. We're going to play the video as it really happened. Go ahead. What was one of the most impactful things that took place or that happened while you were in Honduras? What really just sticks with you? If you could take one thing, what is it? So for me, it's, it's more of a, of a big picture, this being my first experience. And honestly, I'm still processing the whole wonderful experience. But um, we were just blessed to be able to go into public schools, two public schools, and of course they run very differently than our schools and very differently than the private Christian bilingual schools there in Honduras. And so we were able to go into two um, villages and conduct BBSs during the school day. Um, School is done at noon, the kids go home, they have lunch, change clothes most of the time, and come back. Um, And then we play games outside for a couple of hours, and they were... um, just to watch kids who um, 
you know, in a public school setting who are in a sit in straight rows, wear uniforms, hands folded, very quiet, to transform into singing these songs about Jesus being their superhero um, was, was very, um, it was an amazing thing to watch. Emily answering the question, what most impacted you while you were there? Well, last year I met two little girls, Leilani and Emily, and I got to see them only for about five minutes this year, but we saw them at the church on Sunday, and it was so exciting to see them. They ran up and hugged me. It was so cool that they actually even remembered me. I had somebody tell me later in the week, I don't know if you could see your daughter's face um, when she saw the two little girls, or, or even during the worship service, but they said, your daughter just beamed the whole time, and I thought that was a sweet sweet thing to share with me. She's beaming right there. Laura Snell, what would the people of Honduras say to Huntsville Christian Church, and what would you guys like to say to Huntsville Christian Church? Well, first off, I know that three of our interpreters, Andreas, Josue, and Miguel, would say thank you, Miss Maxine, and they are so grateful. They could not stop talking about how that was like the best teacher they've ever had, and Everybody's just so like gracious, no matter like what you do, just that you're there. They're just so grateful. Yeah, they really were. That was pretty amazing that everybody was gracious. Hugs, little, little kisses on the cheek from the yeah. adults and the children. It was amazing. Um, and so what would we say to Huntsville Christian Church is that we would say thank you so very much because it was through the love and support, both financially and prayerfully, um, that we were able to go on this trip and have this experience, and we're very grateful for that. And so, with that, we're already planning for next year. We don't know the dates or the location yet, but hopefully um, some of you out there will prayerfully consider joining us next year. We would love to take a bigger team instead of us being the two Bama girls. Uh, everybody else was from other states, so... Um, it's an amazing God experience, and it changes lives. Not just the people you serve, but you, I got way more out of this than I ever gave. <laughs> <laughs> so before I move on from that, I just want to say, Emily was saying that to Maxine Bonta, and Maxine's not here. She's with her family um, they're actually traveling home today, but Maxine's mother is here. And so to Maxine's mom, I want to say, well done, because whatever you did raising her up, you showed her a love for others and she invested in these kids. And they're just three kids of many that Maxine invested in in Honduras when they were little. And now they're grown and they're adults and they're, they're doing interpretive work for missionaries. And when you ask them about America or you ask them about um, anything about who impacted them, their answer is Maxine. So, well done, Aji. Thank you. The next person that I want to talk about is also here, so I have to be careful. She said, I better be on my best behavior. Has literally traveled thousands of miles in her lifetime just to share with complete strangers a simple message that Jesus loves you. She is actually known worldwide as Grand Moon, if she's in Haiti, Nani, just about everywhere, um, Kapow, did I say that one right? Was it right? Was it Kapow? Ooh-yah. Oh, there it was, Huya. I had the wrong one. It was Huya. She's actually known as Huya. <laughs> um, some people have even called her the booty lady, okay? <laughs> now that I say that, it didn't come out right. <laughs> Talking about baby booties, okay? 
little little socks for babies, that kind of, she's known as that lady in parts of uh, Africa and Zimbabwe, but I went and I filmed Janet also, and she's going to share with us. Let's watch Janet as she talks about her latest experience in being an influence in love in Zimbabwe. I've been at Huntsville Christian Church since 2006, and I have gone out on the mission field all over the world, but John asked me to go to Africa with him several years ago. And there I met the most amazing bunch of women, pregnant women that walked for miles to have their baby without friends, without family. So they were there all by themselves with other pregnant women. I have a friend in California that made me 50 pair of baby booties, which I was able to hand out to the new babies. And I ran out, and one of the ladies said to me, what about my baby? And I felt so sad that I couldn't give her one. So this time when I went to Africa, my friend made me 70 pair, and another friend gave me another bag, which gave me 80 pairs of baby booties. And even though I was there a shorter period of time this time, I was able to hand out over 60 pair of baby booties and leave the rest for the matron to hand out as the babies were born. I hope this touched lives for Christ because that was what I wanted them to know, that people love them even though they're different. Now, I have a special treat for you. I'm excited about this. I was able to get a hold of some live action video footage of Janet actually sharing with the ladies who were staying in the Matumba houses, which is a temporary housing for the pregnant women, as she, she shared with them uh, some things. And, and now this audio, I have to warn you, it's got to be turned up a little bit because it, it was outdoors, cell phone video, all that. And, and there is a rooster and, and he will crow very loud. I, just, I, don't, I want to give you a warning because it's loud and you're going to hear it. You'll be like, whoa. The rooster happens two or three times, but we're going to play the second video of Janet sharing in Zimbabwe with the ladies at the Matumba houses. Listen to this. How he had changed her, and she wanted me to know I could find his love also. She told me that Jesus Christ loved me. She told me that God had sent his son Jesus to earth to die on the cross. So the, the rooster is to the Zimbabwe church what the cell phone is to the American church. See, that's they just happened to go off in the middle of the day. Nobody knows why. I don't know if you could hear what Janet was saying, but, but through the interpreter, she was telling the ladies, she was sharing with them about a time when her friend shared with her about how Jesus had changed her. And she wanted Janet to know that she could find Jesus' love also. She told Janet that Jesus Christ loved her, that God sent his son, Jesus, to earth to die on the cross for her and for everyone. And that's the same message of love that Janet was sharing with these ladies. A very simple message. I appreciate Janet sharing her love stories with us and, and Emily and Laura as well. But I also want to share something else. Uh, Tammy Dennis, who, who was, is not here today either, she was in Zimbabwe with Janet 
um, sharing and encouraging not only these ladies, but many others in love. The first time we went to Zimbabwe, uh, Tammy was offered a job at the school. They didn't want her to leave. Like the headmaster of the school was like, we want you to stay and work with these kids. And she's like, I just can't right now, but I'll come back. And they did. The neat thing about coming back is the kids remember you. Like what Emily said, it'd been a year and these two little girls remembered her. We went a few years, the first time that Janet and I and Tammy went into Africa, we, um, <clears throat> we got there and we were going to build a Matumba house. And across opposite of where Janet is, is actually the Matumba house that we built. So you can't see it, but it looks similar to, to what's behind her. And we got there and we hired a crew. We hired two foremen and we hired construction workers. We hired the laborers and we said, we're going to work with you. And they said, okay. And so that, that first day, we carried wheelbarrow loads full of homemade concrete. We carried so much that, <coughs> excuse me, our arms were kind of twisted up and we made bricks and we did all this and they, they took pictures with us and we had tea. They're proper. They have tea time in the morning. They have tea time in the afternoon. And so we stopped work to have some tea. We had, we had lunch with them. We did all the whole day. They were very uh, gracious to us. And then we took some pictures of our work. And we took some pictures with the people that we worked with and we all went home for the evening. The next morning, we all walked out to the job site, and the foreman and the workers are, are showing up, and the foreman came over to Michael Sykes and I, and he said, hey, what are you guys doing? And we said, we came, we told you yesterday that we came to work with you, that we're going to build this with you, we're going to work beside you all week, we're going to do this. And they said, no, nobody does that. You, you did that yesterday. We took pictures. We, we posed, you know, we, nobody comes back the second day to work with us some more. And we're like, no, that's the whole reason we came here. And they were like, you paid to buy a plane ticket from America to Zimbabwe so that you could pay us and work beside us for free? And they say, we said, yeah. And they said, why? And we said, because we love you. They said, but you don't know us. We said, no, but we know the need. And we know what you're doing here is much bigger than just a building. And every day, this lady here in the third row made brick after brick. Wore, actually wore holes in gloves. Like, was wearing gloves and wore the gloves out. A couple of pair. Because of love. We had nothing to gain. And they just couldn't. We showed up the next day. You're back for more? Yeah. Three days, we came three days in a row. It was like a phenomenon. They couldn't believe it. And then at the end of our time with them, we, we actually bought the, the last tea break. We brought in all this stuff and we celebrated with them. And we went room to room in the house that we were building and we wrote on the walls and we prayed with the workers. And we were like, we're sorry, we probably slowed you down. And so as much work maybe didn't get done, but we'll be praying for you while you continue this project. And it got done, but they just couldn't fathom that we would make that investment. So my question is, what are some of the ways that you can begin to influence others through unconditional love? Is it baby booties? Is it a hug for some kids in Honduras? Is it sharing a smile with a school kid in Africa? Maybe it's getting involved over here at Providence Elementary School. They need some help with readers, with math, with a computer club, with a, uh, what was the, the green team. They're making a car that runs on like banana peels or I don't know, but they need some help in that stuff. Right across the street, 
Maybe it's time to mend a relationship. Maybe it's time to patch up a friendship. Maybe it's time to let the world know that we are Christians by our love. Do you think that people in your circle would be surprised if you actually began to do that, began to be an influence in love? Would the people you know, if you were to do that, how do you think they'd grade you right now on the level of your love around them and for them? What grade do you think you would get? Don't answer that out loud. It's just a thought. The reality is that most of the world sees or hears Christians just as another clanging cymbal, clashing drums. I think we forget that when Jesus said, love your neighbor, He meant love your Democrat neighbor, love your Republican neighbor, love your gay, your black, your white, your Muslim, your Asian neighbor, the person you're mad at, love that neighbor. He meant love your waiter, love your waitress. He meant love the homeless. Love your ex. Yes, your ex. That ex. Love them. Love the atheist. When Jesus said love your neighbor, He meant love the addict. He meant love the immigrant neighbor who you think doesn't belong. The reality is God loves everyone. And He wants us to be an influence in His love. And to love everyone always. Not just the ones we get along with. That's the easy people to love. As we come to our response time this morning, the response is simple. It's time for us to be an influence in love. If you're ready to do that, won't you come forward this morning and we'll talk about what that looks like for you. Maybe for you to, to begin to be, you want to be known as an influencer in love, then you want to join with us and, and partner with Huntsville Christian Church as we impact the community. Maybe you just need to talk about what that's going to look like for you and, and we'd be glad to pray with you. We will celebrate as we respond to God's word this morning as an influence of love. Will you stand and sing our response song with us? I just want to let you know that I just got an update. Um, Tracy Williams, who is the reason that Emily and Laura ended up in Honduras, is on her way to El Salvador. She is at the airport getting ready to board her plane and head that way for the next week. So if you would keep her in prayer. Actually, I'm just going to pause. I'm going to pray for Tracy right now and for her, her mission team. Will you just do that with me? Father God, I thank you for, uh, again, one more person uh, from your, your church who is going into the world just to love, to be an influence in love. I, we lift up Tracy, Lord, uh, the team that she's traveling with as they head to El Salvador. I pray that you would keep them safe. I pray that they would, they would be bold, but that they, they're the light they shine and the reflection of you that they share with the people in El Salvador would just honor you. And so we just, I praise you for young people, people in general, but it, I always get excited when young people are, are going on mission trips and going outside of their comfort zones. There's a million different things that Tracy could be doing this week. And so I'm just thankful that she chose to be a reflection of you. So we ask that you would keep her safe until you bring her home. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I gotta tell you, it's been great to be here with you all today. I love Family Sundays especially. It's been great to share with you about being an influence in love. I hope that you've been encouraged by the love stories that I've shared with you today. But now it's time to go to win and commit to grow. You see, when we allow ourselves to be an influence in love, it's easy to go to win someone to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we allow God's Word to influence us and reshape our understanding of love, we begin to commit to grow spiritually. And as we grow spiritually, we become a better influence in speech, in faith, in purity, and in love. Will you sing this last song with us?